awesome. Tell me what your show is again, Ben. So yeah, it's Twin Peaks Unwrapped, and it's really um. So I've been a fan since uh, day one. I've been watching it when it was originally on. I'm 40 now, so I guess I was like 15 or so when it was first on. And so our show is, <laughs> our show just talks about. I mean, Brian has never seen the show before, so Hi. he's. <laughs> Hi, Brian. So I'm he, not telling you who killed Nora Palmer. <laughs> yeah, don't don't tell me. I am at episode. I'm not telling. I'm not telling. <laughs> All right, I'm on episode 13. And welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazask, and beside me, as always, is... Ben Durant. Ben, and... So, Happy New Year. Happy New Year! <laughs> yes, <laughs> Happy New Year. So, we, uh, before the uh, before the sycamore trees, we had a little clip of Catherine Coulson behind the scenes. I thought it would be a nice little treat to kind of have that. Yeah, you know. it's so cool to hear that. Yeah, it was funny. We don't always record like when we're kind of yeah. getting ready to do a show, but we just happened to record that, and I thought it was a nice little treat. And she's 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 so missed. We really do miss her, and yeah. uh, it's quite a year. So so this show is kind of the best of 2015. We've been doing this for six months, but I thought we would you know yes. we could end this end the year with a, a look back on uh, all we've done in 2015. In 2015. I know, and so. Like, come January, we're going to go back to the show, but, you know, this just encapsulates everything we've done, and it's so exciting to hear. I Like, going through the clips was fun. Mm. Picking things out was fun. So and I, you know, I mean, I don't know if we have to say, but you, you spent a lot of time like looking through through us talking. Yes, yeah, so we've lo- matured over we've the, matured, the months, maybe, <laughs> maybe possibly. And I was looking at interviews, and like, I was impressed with how many great interviews we got, yes. and, and the and the knowledge that people brought and stuff. It was it was something else. So we we had a good we've had a good year, and I, I'm really excited for next year. And yes. uh, I think you were saying, uh, you know, I think we've had five. This will be our fifth uh, special show in a row. Yeah. Uh, next week, New Year, we're back. Back to the episodes. Episode seventeen. Apple set. Uh, yeah. 17. And it's we were the way we thought about this is New Year, New Mystery. And right. Second half of the second season of Twin Peaks is sort of like a new mystery. Yeah. So that's how we took upon it. So seventeen will open up a brand new mystery in the show, and I am I, I still haven't gone beyond episode eighteen. Right. So I'm excited to start watching it again as well. You can see more David Duchovny. <laughs> yes, as Denise. <laughs> cool. So let's get started. Let's get going on this uh, clip show. Yeah, it's just a clip show. You're not going to hear from us until the end. You're just going to hear clips from us, uh, guests we've had, and then we'll be back at the end. Yeah, and maybe maybe you haven't seen every episode, and you, maybe you hear something you like, and, mm. and you know you might want to go back and check out an interview we've done or something. Or yeah, yeah, cool. All right, enjoy. We should introduce who we are, maybe. <laughs> oh yes, I'm your host Brian Kazaska. Beside me, Ben Durant, the um, enthusiast of Twin Peaks, and Brian the, new- <laughs> the newbie, newbie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So every week, every Wednesday, you can join us. We'll be talking about every episode of Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks unwrapped the pilot episode. I'm your host Brian Kazaska. Beside me, Ben Durant. And we're going to discuss episode one. Welcome to this week's Twin Peaks Unwrapped podcast. Did I get the title right? You got it right. Unwrapped. Unwrapped. With Brian and Ben? Yes. Ben and Brian. (laughs) I'm Ben. And I'm Brian. (laughs) There you go. Um, So this week, our focus, our main focus is on episode two. If you're following along at home, episode two, which is the big funeral episode. And welcome to this week's... Twin Peaks Unwrapped Podcast. <laughs> um, Hi, I'm Brian. I'm Brian Xaska, and this is Ben Durant. Hello. And we're going to take you on this uh, journey for episode three, Twin Peaks Unwrapped Podcast with Ben Durant and myself, Brian Xaska. We're here coming to you uh, not live from inside the podcast bunker. <laughs> in, or, or actually in Twin Peaks. Um, so today's episode is episode four. 
And welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kosaska. Beside me is the Twin Peaks... Um, Veteran Ben Durant. Yes. Thank you. Thank God you took that. I threw it to you and you grabbed it because I was a loss for words for a second there. You're such a noob. We have Brad Dukes. Uh, he's the writer of Reflections and Oral History of Twin Peaks. And this week is actually the one-year anniversary of the book. Welcome, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, you know, so I've been, you know, I've been collecting uh, for the past 25 years anything I could find on Twin Peaks books, magazines, uh, you know, videos, and I must say this book is is without a doubt the best Twin Peaks resource that I've ever seen, and it's amazing, Brad. You you've done a great job with this. Oh well, thank you. I really tried to make something that would stand on its own and you know make sure that every page had something that even the most hardcore fan would not know so that makes me very happy to hear so your book comes out and a month later the blu-ray uh the twin peaks blu-ray comes out and then in october the announcement of twin peaks uh, is getting a new season i mean this has been it seems like a really good year for you <laughs> well i did have a little bit of advance notice that the missing pieces were coming out i really wanted to time the release of the book with that, just because I thought it would be really exciting for fans to get, you know, this book with a lot of new information, along with something that some people have been waiting, you know, over 20 years for. Yeah. So I thought that was my last big window to piggyback onto some publicity of Twin Peaks. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was as shocked as anybody uh, when October came around and they said that it was coming back on Showtime. Uh, I don't, I think that kept, that caught everybody by surprise outside of uh, Lynch and Frost. And welcome to this week's Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Unwrapped. I almost said a different name of a podcast. And I'm your host, Brian Kazaskin. Beside me is Ben Durant. And today's episode is... Episode 6. Episode 6. And we're, we're very close to the end of the season. And welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped with your host, Ben Durant and myself, Brian Kazowski. Welcome. Welcome. It's like NPR. <laughs> Just like it. Just like NPR. We're doing episode seven, the season finale. So, so the pilot was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, who are the co-creators of the show. It was directed by David Lynch. It aired April uh, 8th, 1990, uh, and that was a Sunday night. So it was a Sunday night. It was a Sunday night It was a Sunday night it was like like a Sunday night of the the movie of the week kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And so it started Sunday, and that following Thursday was when the the, the, the first episode would air. So oh, that's okay. Cool. So it was so, a Thursday night show. Episode well, one. I can I'll start off with just saying uh, episode one was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, directed by Dwayne Dunham. Uh, it aired Thursday, April twelfth, and in this the regular time slot that would be for the rest of the season, except for the, the final episode, it was from nine to ten. So the Thursday time slot nine to ten was when it aired. Up against it, Cheers. Uh huh. You're right. It was. It was, it was totally <laughs> up, against up against Cheers. cheers. Yeah. And the ratings uh, for that week's episode was sixteen point two. That was the rating, and that was thirteenth place for the week. And this show is. Uh, this episode was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch. It was directed by David. Lynch. It, Which it, you can tell. Yeah, you can yeah. tell. I mean, yeah. like, you watch the opening, and it's like, you feel like it's five minutes of them sitting, at, uh, at the, the, the horn sitting at the table. It's like, I mean, I love that style. I love that he's willing to take that pace, but some people, it might drive them crazy. It's yeah. like, they're just sitting there eating food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's his style, and when you watch this episode, that's the first thing I noticed, was they're sitting at the table for an awfully long time. And so this, this aired on April 19th, 1990, uh, the ratings was 13.1, and it's in the 28th spot for the week. So again, it's going uh, down. down. And we're here with uh, Peter Dom from WelcomeToTwinPeaks.com. And hi, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Hey. So you were just there. It was just this past weekend that it was the uh, Twin Peaks Festival of 2015, and you were there. How did everything go? Oh, it was awesome. I had the best time. My favorite, one of my, my favorite videos was you were on the beach uh, near the log, the big log at the opening of, of the of the. Did you see this, Brian? Yes, yeah, yeah. So people were getting wrapped in plastic. <laughs> they they would sit, they'd lay down, yeah. and they would wrap them in plastic, and then get pictures taken and stuff. And that I was thought it was fun. a doll. I thought it was a doll of Laura in plastic. Oh, no, and there was a big queue, a big line of people just waiting to get wrapped in plastic. That is and, awesome. Uh, and the funny thing was that in the beginning, it took a while to get people wrapped up. 
and unwrapped after. Too but funny. the crew, the test crew, just found this good technique to do it very, very fast. <laughs> What's the sense you get? Do we really think it's going to be 2017 that the that the uh, the show has been delayed to? I mean, we had that one uh, baseball Hall of Fame quote from yeah. Frost. Just, just that quote. It hasn't been uh, denied. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, for now, I would say that's a safe bet. Yes, this is uh, episode three, written by Harley Payton, and it was directed by Tina Rothborn and aired April 26, 1990. The rating was 11.3 rating, and wow. it ranked 45 for the week. Wow, so, <laughs> so we went from fifth place on the pilot to uh, we're now at 45. This is episode four. It was written by Robert Ingalls. And I just want to say, Robert Ingalls co-wrote uh, Firewalk With Me, film with David Lynch. So this is, I mean, this is, I mean, we're talking, you know, another 20-some-odd episodes wow. later. And I'm excited to watch the movie. Yeah, it's going to be, a, it's a very, it's different than Twin Peaks. It'll be interesting. I, I'm looking forward to see you seeing it, too. Yeah. So this was written by Robert uh, Ingalls, or he goes by Bob. Directed by Tim Hunter. Now, Tim Hunter did this movie called River's Edge. And in the movie, there was a naked dead girl found in the river and stuff. And there's some some similarities between Twin Peaks. So this was written by Tim Hunter. It aired, this, show, this episode aired May 3rd, 1990. The rating is 11.9. And it's in 44th place for the week. So we're dropping. It's well, dropping. I, think, I think the previous one was 45th. So we're, we're, maybe we're going up one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, episode 5, written by Mark Frost, and it was directed by Leslie uh, Linka Gladder, and it was aired on May 10th, 1990. The ratings was 11.5 in the 38th place. Wow, so we're so going up? We are getting better, so maybe it's not, not yeah, there's hope still. Wow. <laughs> so uh, this was written by, um, um, hey, I think Haley, Haley Payton, okay. and it was directed by Caleb uh, Dachanel. And I, I guess I'll say it right here, Dachanel. Director, um, he's married to Mary Jo Dachanel, who plays Elaine Hayward, which is Donna's mom. And he has some... Oh, uh, really? He has some famous uh, daughters, this director. Uh, one of his daughters' name is Zoe Dachanel, who is a new girl. And then the other uh, daughter is Emily Dachanel from Bones. Really? So Zoe Dachanel's... So yeah. dad is the director of this episode. Oh my god! And like I said, he, the the woman who plays um, Elaine Hayward, Donna's mom, is the wife in real life to the director and stuff. So it's kind of a <laughs> so that's Zoe Chanel's mom, right? Yeah, oh yeah. The one in the wheelchair, the one, the woman in the wheelchair that is Donna's mom and stuff. She's married really? to Doc Hayward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's a little. So this, uh, this, this little known facts. Little known facts. <laughs> I love little known that's facts. That's cool. Yeah. We've got Joel Baco. And he's from uh, dancingimage.blogspot.com, and he does these great uh, like video essays called Journey Through Twin Peaks. Basically, uh, there was a murder around 1910 in the town that the Frost family summered in. Hmm. So that was sort of lore passed down the years, and it's been suggested that that may have uh, influenced them to say, why doesn't a girl wash up on shore? That could be the... That could be how it begins. That's something. Because basically that's, you know, that's kind of the hook to draw you in. Now, another interesting thing is this to me is one of the key things about the show, and it doesn't make too much sense to talk about it now. It's something that you're going to see more later as the show sort of develops. Mm. But uh, I'm going to read this quote because it opens the clip you're going to play, but it's text on the sc- of my video essay, but it's text on the screen so the, the listeners won't be able to, sh- to hear it when the music is or, to hear it when the music's playing, because they'd be seeing it. So I'm gonna, I'll read it right now. It says, Frost has claimed that the small town setting, uh, originally located in North Dakota, came before the murder mystery. We had worked on what was in Twin Peaks, what the town was like for some months, but it wasn't until we said a body washes up on shore that we had a starting point, not just for our first image, but for the whole mystery. So that's Frost speaking. Mm. And then Lynch, however, says that the entire idea was sparked by the image of a body washing up on the shore of a lake. So that's interesting to me Mm. because it starts to suggest something I think you'll see as the show goes on in the movie, which is, um, I believe it was Frost who was more interested in telling the story of this whole town, and that Lynch at least doesn't want along, because this might be his revisionist memory, which he's been known to have, um, saying this, that it was all about the girl washing up on shore. 
I think he began to become more interested in her story and her mystery um, to the point where that almost became the point of the show to him. So that's just... Yeah, I agree. When you see the episodes that he directed, and Brian, you'll notice that. You've already seen yeah. really the majority of the episodes he's going to direct in the series. Um, but when you see his name pop up again, you know, you keep that. And then the, the stretch where he isn't directing, it's sort of something to, interesting to keep in mind. Uh, this aired May 17th, 1990, and uh, the rating uh, was a 10.6 and ranked 40 uh, for the week. So we went up because we're 11? Was it 11 last Yeah, I think so. Last yeah, episode? Right. So I think. Wow. Are we getting better? I think, <laughs> I think it's so. getting I think, better. I think it's getting better. Yeah, it yeah. went nose diving and then right. it went up. I mean, I think, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of the thing is I think people know that we're getting to the end, and I think they really want to find out who killed Laura Palmer. So uh, next week. That mystery will not be solved. <laughs> next week. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Out of two seasons. And this was written by and directed by Mark Frost, co-creator of the of oh, series. So it's a treat. It's a real treat. Mark Frost. Uh, it aired May 23rd, 1990. It ranked 12.6, and it was 23rd for the week. And that is a uh, that was about as, uh, the best ratings they've had since the first episode and stuff. So, uh, so maybe people tune back in just to see what happens. Yes, they, they tied with who's the boss for that week. <laughs> oh, who's the boss? <laughs> Melissa Milano. Uh, I was watching. See, I was the kid watching Who's the Boss. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. Twin yeah, Peaks yeah. was on. That, so you're the reason that yeah, that the, the, the show was canceled because yes. you're too busy watching well, uh, Who's the Boss. I, well, Melissa Milano I, was on there. They they were promoting this as though we were gonna find out who killed Laura Palmer. Of course they were. They were. So it was they like were. tonight, all is revealed. Find Not out really. who killed Laura <laughs> Palmer. Palmer. And then you go, wait a minute. Next September. Yeah, we have uh, John Thorne. He's a co-creator, co-editor of Wrapped in Plastic magazine. My co-editor, Craig Miller, and I put together uh, Wrapped in Plastic magazine, I think, in 1992, because we were huge fans of Twin Peaks, and we wanted to write about it. And so we uh, published the magazine um, every two months, uh, pretty uh, much like clockwork, until about 2005, I think. So we did 75 issues uh, covering just about everything uh, regarding Twin Peaks, David Lynch, Mark Frost, etc. I'll, I'll let you know now, I'm kind of in the middle, or sort of the beginning middle, of compiling some material for a book from Wrapped in Plastic. And I, you know, realized we've, you know, we had the only, really the only interview with Frank Silva yeah. that was ever conducted for print, yep. uh, and and it was in depth. And so um, I'm thinking about, and I know this is going out there into the into the world, so I'm not going to say definitively, but I'm thinking about reprinting the whole thing. Craig and I produced a tremendous amount of work on our own, and Definitely. all that material is there. Um, so I'm right now going through the process of culling out. Uh, uh, what I think is is important Twin Peaks material to put together uh, a Twin Peaks book of some sort. Uh, obviously, the new show is coming on yeah. uh, sometime in the future, and uh, <laughs> I think putting together, you know, we did 12 years worth of study on that show. I think I can put something together that's fairly substantive. ABC was in last place, oh, so I think okay. you know, I think Fox was even beating them at this point. I think Fox was considered the network now. Yep. I mean, they had a yep. living color. I mean, it was around then. So I think ABC was Simpsons. Yes, yeah, Simpsons was doing great. So they were hurting. So they started taking risks. They did things like um, China Beach, which I'm sure you might not. I remember like, China you, Beach. You know China Beach. So yep. that was something. That, that was another way of their risk taking. They started doing these different shows. There was you know, Roseanne. I guess could be a risk taker. That it was a little. Yep. It's not your typical. I mean, it's not you know your typical. Uh, comedy, really. Yeah, so, Roseanne. So I think they were. I think they were. They were desperate. They yep. were basically saying, "We need to do something <laughs> different. We need to get new viewers. And what if we we hire a film director and you know, like to do this to this show? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So that's that explains a lot now. So you know, the f- interesting thing about this um, about the director uh, uh, Dwayne Dwayne Dunham. He actually is the editor of the pilot, and he actually was the editor for David Lynch. He actually edited Blue Velvet, which I think was in 86. Uh, so he, 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 what happened was, is that 
David Lynch wanted him to direct his next movie, West, uh, Wild at Heart. Okay. And he said, oh, will, you know, will you, will, you, uh, will you direct, I mean, will you edit, I'm sorry, ed, will you edit my movie? And he said, I, I've got another project. I'm, I'm editing a whole nother movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and David Lynch is like, well, how can I convince you to, uh, to, 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 do, to do my movie? And Dwayne is like, well, if there was a way that I could be a director, you know, if, if you know, that would be a different thing. It'd be, a, you know, if, if I could be a director for something and then I'd, I'd be willing to pass on this project I'm doing and do edit your movie. Yeah. So David Lynch says, hey, we just got, we got picked up to do our TV series now, Twin Peaks. I'll let you direct, I'll let you direct the first episode. Wow. And he says, yes. And the good thing, and the way he puts it, uh, Dwayne puts it, is that, you know, it was a long time between uh, them doing the pilot, where I, which I talked about in the last episode, where they, they did the pilot in 89, uh, February of 89. A year went by before they actually aired it. So I'm on the I'm on the phone now with Lindsay Bowden, and she's the founder and producer of the Twin Peaks UK Festival. Hi, Lindsay. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. So you know, there's only a few weeks uh, before the, the festival, the 3rd and the 4th of October. Are you ready for it? <laughs> Ask me another question. <laughs> Two and a half weeks away, and to be honest with you, this is the time when everything starts to come together. So yeah, we're in, we're in pretty good stead, yeah. Yeah, and can you share with us what, what's going to happen there? Like, and there's still tickets available, right? I mean, yeah, we've still got a few tickets available at the moment. Um, for this first time this year, we've well, for the first time ever, we've um, extended to a weekend event. And that's to celebrate the 25th anniversary and obviously the fact that the show is coming back and being filmed right now. Um, and so we basically, um, we're a very kind of immersive uh, fan experience. Uh, so we're very, very different from the US Fest. We basically are more theatrical. So we have the guests from the show, obviously, but we also have a sort of theatrical burlesque um, elements to our show. We do screenings, we recreate the sets. So it's all about engulfing um, fans in that world. And this year especially, uh, day one is sort of dedicated to Twin Peaks and day two is all about David Lynch's body of work as a whole. So we have the David Lynch Foundation coming down. You know, we've got more guests than ever this year. Uh, we're building the train car, reenacting the murder of Laura Palmer, which wow. I'm ridiculously excited about. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so it, it promises to sort of be our biggest one yet, really. But it was a long time... I want to say fall when they actually started getting around to doing the the episode. Yeah. I should know better, but anyways, he, he, his thinking was, hey, as the editor who I've known, I know this footage so well from the from from editing the, the pilot. Who better to come in there and remind the actors how they they should perform and how to actually film it? And and he, he felt he could bring a good he could really kind of shape the direction of the show because yeah, he already yeah. he kind and he knows David Lynch. He's already worked with David Lynch, so he knew. David's style is very like it's not a lot of moving around. You kind of like almost have static shots, and, and and the way David Lynch looks at it is like he he was a painter before he was um, a, a film director. So he yeah. kind of like thinks of I- images as still pictures, even though it's film and you have yeah. audio, you have yeah. audio and you have, uh, film and stuff like that. So I think that was interesting, and you know I, I meant to mention our in our our episode zero that you know Twin Peaks for me was like actually how I fell in love with film and television and it, kind of, it was kind of the direction I really realized I wanted to be in that in some way I mean I when, I when I was going to college I thought well maybe I'll go to LA and I wanted to be an editor so I thought about oh yep. wouldn't that be so cool and it was it was David Lynch's work that really inspired me and That's I ended cool. up doing media I mean I'm, I'm in the media field I'm not yeah. I'm not a director <laughs> editor or anything but it was still it was like podcaster now you can, <laughs> I can add that to my resume <laughs> yeah, podcaster right. and he goes into the show and to give you some sense, when, back in 1990 when I was watching this, there was no log Lydia intros. When, when Bravo got the rights to, to air Twin Peaks, I don't know what year it is right now, but when yeah. they got that, David Lynch uh, decided to do intros, and he worked with uh, the actors who did the log lady, and he did... So these were filmed after? Yeah, years after. Oh my God, years after. Eight, I, I wanna, she Let's say it's insane. 93. Let's say it's 93. I, I want to guess it's around 93. So that's, you know, two years oh, okay. after the series had ended. That they did, they did this for Bravo wow. and stuff. So, so that's cool. Like, yeah. Um, the log lady, she talks about a dream, and that kind of leads into the whole dream thing at the end of the episode, which we'll get to. Totally. We're here with Andreas Hasgall. He is a film and television scholar and author of TV Peaks. Tell us a little bit about the oh, book. I've made a Danish book a couple of years ago, back in 2010-11. I made a book about American television drama, about this current wave of quality television or whatever you call it. And so I, I wanted to sort of 
dig into or, or explore how much Twin Peaks has actually in, has actually influenced what's going on right now and, mm. and what it has done to influence modern-day television drama. Because everyone, I suppose, almost everyone at least, would agree that Twin Peaks has been very influential. So I Definitely. sort of investigate how has it been influential, what has mm. it actually done, uh, and with scholars and fans and cast and crew members and, and television makers of today, would they agree upon this? Uh, being a very influential show, or, or was it just you know ahead of its time and sort of, um, or was it sort of a limbo show that came you know matter out of form, a network show that wasn't really a classic network show and that sort of preceded whatever else is going on ever mm. since The Sopranos. Yeah. So I was I wanted to investigate that and to go into that, and so I started interviewing different people. Who, of course, people who make television shows here in Scandinavia and people who make it in, in the U.S. So it's specifically about modern American and Scandinavian television drama. And then, of course, a lot of those who made uh, Twin Peaks. So Wrapped in Plastic number 50 kind of talked about, in a way, there was like two phases to uh, the first season of Twin Peaks. The first phase, which, which kind of uh, included the pilot episode one and two, kind of was an establishing phase where it kind of established the characters, kind of got you, you to know what was happening in Twin Peaks. Yeah. The second phase was kind of the dream phase, and it, it, it was the whole idea of break the dream code, solve the crime. And so basically from, you know, now that we got to episode two where we had the dream, this point forward... We're kind of like dealing with the dream and trying to, you know, rationalize it. And Mark Frost will kind of assign meaning to Lynch's abstract dreams. You know, he will take those crazy dreams that was shot well before the first season was even worked on yeah. and start kind of like saying, well, how can we put this in the real world? And, and, and he does a good job. He does. The breadcrumbs, um, because I'm ahead, like I said... After season one, if you're following along with us, watch that scene again. It just blows your mind. But episode three. So in the script that wasn't aired, Cooper's, Cooper's talking about his dream. And he says, do you have a sketch artist? And Lucy says, Andy sketches for the from time to time. And Cooper, interesting. I dreamed it was De- Deputy Hawk. And again, and says, find out, find, this is Cooper still, find out if Sarah Palmer had any discussion, any disturbing dreams. If she has, there may be important clues in her dreams as well. Truman, clues? Cooper, my, yeah, yeah, clues? He, question mark, but he says, and then he goes on to say, Cooper, my dream is a code waiting to be broken. So he said, in this, while he's sitting down at, at breakfast, uh, Cooper is saying, go talk to Sarah, Sarah Palmer, because I think, yeah, I think she might have had some kind of disturbing dream. And as we start episode four, we start off at at the Palmer family and Harry Truman is there questioning Sarah so yep. it's like it was, it's kind of weird because if we're just watching this from the last episode it's like why are they there like what made and, and so this kind of yeah, space yeah. Cooper is basically saying I think that she might be able to tell you something they know uh, Benjamin Lush, he is the co-creator <laughs> and host of the Double R Club for people who don't know tell me what is the Double R Club well the Double R Club is a is a monthly club of cabaret and burlesque acts, uh, all based or inspired directly or indirectly by the uh, worlds of David Lynch. So we do Twin Peaks, and uh, but we cover uh, pretty much everything that Lynch does. Cool. And and your your wife Rose Thorne and your, yourself created this what, like six years ago or so. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, Rose was a burlesque performer at the time, so I've been kind of brought into the world of cabaret as a kind of, I was a burlesque widower, we used to <laughs> ourselves. Uh, and I, we just started to get this idea that maybe, because a lot of burlesque and cabaret is sort of jazz hands, wall-to-wall kind of whimsy. And we're not exactly those kind of people, so we, I just, we just started to think, would it work? Uh, if it wasn't like that, if it was a bit darker, yeah. uh, put people on edge a little bit, just a bit stranger. And it seemed like David Lynch was the perfect kind of catalyst around mm. which to build something like that. You actually read like a Log Lady poem. I that- did, yeah, I did that at the festival. It was one I'd written a couple of months ago. Um, uh, you know, and then, and then she died and it just seemed like, yeah, I, you know, I should read it out at the festival. Well, that's really nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have it now, or if that's something you can do, or you can share a, like an idea of what. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Let's see. Let's try not to trip over my words. <clears throat> yeah, it was an introduction to uh, another performer's log lady themed act. So, 
The Log Lady is the matriarch of the mysteries of Twin Peaks, striding strangely through its tragedy and the horrors that it wreaks. Dismissed as an eccentric, is she insane or merely cunning? Her answer to those questions? Wait for tea, the fish aren't running. The log itself says nothing, is inscrutable, unspeaking. Did it truly have the wisdom, have the answers we were seeking? Did the log kill Laura Palmer? Was it the font of all this fright? Was it kill a log, not kill a bob? Or was its bark worse than its bite? Is the log lady filled with secrets? Is she not so law-abiding? Does she know more than she's letting on? Just what can she be hiding? If her layers now were peeled away, whatever would we see? Would we glimpse terror, fire, murders, or a poem lovely as a tree? Thing opens with uh, Cooper and Audrey. Well, Cooper, uh, Cooper having a conversation with Audrey yep. about why they can't have this relationship and how they should be friends. And yeah. let's, let's have a malt together. And uh, it, 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 the script didn't go that way, which is kind of interesting. Uh, oh, it didn't. This in the script, the first thing we see is Cooper and Audrey having breakfast. And um, Cooper seems very uncomfortable, and he's looking down at eggs, and and um, like something happened. Like something happened. Audrey, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 it's, Im- um, it's implied. It's implied. So we don't know, and it's it's left hanging that way. That like it could they could have they could have not. Have. So it's interesting to see that, that that that's what was scripted, and then to see they changed it. I'm it glad. Came, yeah. I think we talked about this last uh, last week. How I said that because Cooper is such the boy scout that he is i felt that it would have been odd if he had if they actually shown or they actually they actually did you're right mm-hmm. cause she, she is technically 18 yes. but it is and he's an fbi agent. right he's he in his 30s fired. he's in his 30s and he's and he and he kind of, i think he might have says says this that he's he's doing an investigation that she's kind of, in some way she's part of yeah but as the child as the 15 year old kid i'm like she is beautiful yeah. <laughs> and this guy is amazing he's the greatest detective ever. ever they would be great together but i know uh, I, know. I know it's not appropriate but uh it's like uh it's like Mulder and scully right, exactly Mulder and scully um I, I i also feel that this episode gave us um more clues yeah but might have let us down some dead ends <laughs> a lot of, of dead ends yes so i guess abc or no who put this out abc did yeah abc Network, abc right? lied to us all right now we're here with sean delenti he's the british school leader and founder of inclusion for all i'm a, I'm a school leader in, in england i'm a vice principal of an elementary school in london um, but I am also uh, a gay a gay man and i walked out of state education in 1987 through years of being bullied for being gay and not fitting in. Jump forward, oh, 30-odd years, and I'm a school leader in London. Uh, I kind of dealt with all that in the past, and we do some questionnaires with the children uh, and the young people in the area that show us there's a huge problem with homophobic bullying, homophobic Mm. language, and the use of the word gay as a negative term. Mm. And something just goes off in my head, really, and I'm like, do you know what? This, This rubbish nearly ended my life back in 1987 it's now 2009 Mm. uh i'm not standing for it so i I went at home sat at home that christmas wrote a training program for teachers and for adults um and i started delivering that in my own school and in schools in london uh it had a really positive impact and before you can roll a donut i was delivering it across the uk and now i also travel abroad and do it this weekend you were at the festival tell us about how how it went Oh, it was fabulous. You should have been there. It was. <laughs> we wish we, we were there. We want to be there, yeah. <laughs> uh, next year, next yeah, year. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we've done, I've done both. I've done the U.S. festivals and I've done the U.K. festival as well. Uh, I think this was about my third or fourth time. Hmm. Um, this year was really exciting, obviously, because it's the 25th anniversary. Yeah. But it was doubly exciting because it was double size. We had it over two days for the first time. Oh, is that something? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a biggie. Uh, it's held in a cinema which is ooh, only about 15 minutes drive from where I live, which is really handy. Um, and it's, uh, it's a great space because obviously you've got three screens, I think it is, 
uh, you've got breakout areas, and you've got an outside space, all of which was put to really um, very clever use. So, you know, you had a, a VIP area, you had um, an area that was set up to be the Black Lodge, you had um, really comfy signing places where you could also mingle on a more informal basis with the guests. Okay. I think the killer is Ben Horn. I still think the killer is Ben Horn. No, he's not the killer. Leland's not the killer. Is Leland the killer? Is, Is that who you thought? No. No. So now we have Ben L. Maiden. He is the host of Entertainment Zone. Um, the the murder of Laura Palmer by the Double R Club. Um, my gosh, th- those guys are just incredible. I mean, the, the Double R Club put on their own shows at the festival as well. Um, Sword-eating, flame-eating, um, burlesque. They, they were great, but the, the murder was just something else. We, we were led outside of the cinema um the genesis where it was held uh, and they'd um built the glastonbury grove set so they had like the circle of sycamore trees yeah uh, and then they had the huge um train car that they'd constructed and they took a group of about 40 of us in at a time and wow. um, wow. so we had the we had a back to the wall and, and let me tell you it, it it was pitch black in there uh, and um all that it was lit with was like um a, a torch um and some strobe lighting, um, and they obviously had actors playing Bob, Laura, and Renette, huh. uh, and and it was so atmospheric. I mean, these guys had to do this four or five times a day across the weekend, uh, and they got so into the role. It, it, it really was effective. I think um, it's pretty public knowledge now that um, Al Strobel's confirmed he's on board for the new season. Excellent. Uh, uh, um, I asked Al, and um, he, he said, um, and he repeated this in the Q&A later on at the festival. He said, look, I've been reti- retired for 20 years. Um, you know, it, I don't want to do any more work unless David Lynch calls. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, presto, there was the call. And um, he, he, I believe, is going to be filming mainly um, in L.A. So I'm presuming it's going to be um, interior red room stuff. He, he didn't really confirm that. Um but um, yeah, he's definitely on board um, with Mage. And um, again, um, I, I asked her how filming's went, how filming is going for her because um, she has started, and you know she had to be very coy and um, about what what she could say. But um, she's you know she's having a great time so far. Um, I, I, what what I can tell you from Mage, and um, I asked her. Um, if um, she is surprised at the direction that David and Mark are taking Shelley in hmm. uh, 25 years later, and she said she's extremely surprised. Wow. Uh, uh, and she's also told me, um, she said, one thing I promise you is that Twin Peaks was groundbreaking and changed television back then, and it's going to do it again now. All right, we're back. Hi. Uh, hi, Maya. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. So we're talking about Mahan Drive, and uh, we'd love to hear what you think about the the film. Uh, I love the part when they're in the theater and they're singing the Silencio. That's my favorite mm. part. I feel like, um, you know, it's kind of spooky, but it's also kind of beautiful in a way. Yeah, so it really I, is. I love that scene. Yes. Yeah. Um, did you guys hear? Well, I read about how David Lynch recorded that when uh, the woman's singing and without her knowing like he he Mm -hmm. had her try out and he recorded it and then that ended up being in the film with some minor adjustments they said um but like it was a recording i i don't know who the woman who was singing but yeah that's what i read somewhere yeah i mean lynch is very well known to be like okay we're just gonna have a practice one just let's just practice (laughs) and and he and he does film it and then he's like you know i like that take let's just go with that one yeah that's usually the best one yeah tell us about your website well, you know, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan since I was, like, a kid. So, 
I just, I'm not, you know, I don't do fan art. I don't do podcasts. So writing is kind of my thing. And mm. I felt like a blog was good for me. And I'm kind of trying to time recapping the episodes. And thank you for that. I love it. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, yeah, I, have to, I look back on it when we, because we're so ahead. And then when we finally start catching up, I'll read one just to refresh myself. Because <laughs> I, I have to, re- I, I, there's so much to, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going on. So, so many <laughs> so, characters. And so, yeah. Well, it's taken me a while, but hopefully I'll have it all done by the time the, or when the new episodes air. So. Tell us where we can find you. Thank you. Uh, it's TwinPeaksFanatic.blogspot. And you can also find me on Twitter at, uh, at TwinPeaksBlog or also on Facebook for TwinPeaksFanatic. Today here we've got Scott, Scott Ryan. He's the co-host of the Red Room podcast, author of Scott Luck Stories. And he just completed a documentary on the 2015 Twin Peaks Festival. Hi, Scott. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks. So there's so much to talk about. I'd love to just uh, maybe start about how you got into Twin Peaks. Well, I was in college when Twin Peaks aired, and I actually did not watch the first seven episodes when they aired. But in the summer, when ABC repeated them, my best friend at the time said, listen, I'm going to watch this show, Twin Peaks. And it's all I'm going to talk about, so you might as well watch it as well. So I think one of the most amazing parts of my documentary is that I got to capture the log lady, Catherine Colson, who passed away only a month after the Twin Peaks Fest. Mm. I was sitting... I was sitting right next to her at the banquet. Their table was right next to us. In fact, I even have a picture of, like, behind my head, like a selfie of, I can't believe I'm eating a chicken breast (laughs) (laughs) behind (laughs) Patrick Bolton. And so when they were announcing everyone, I filmed them, and there's some great footage in the documentary of her standing up and waving to everyone as they announce her. And the amazing part is, is that I had written a song that plays before she passed away, but now it seems like I wrote it about her. Hmm. And that part always gives me goosebumps. She was so nice. Before the um, banquet, we were just walking around the Salish Lodge, and there was the log lady shopping in the gift shop. (laughs) And I said, I got to meet her. So I just Uh went up and introduced myself and asked if I could have a picture with her. And she was like, sure. And I took a picture and she said, can I see that picture? Because this is the first time I've worn this hat. (laughs) And I want to see what it looks like. And I said, sure. And she said, it looks pretty good. I said, you look adorable. It's fine. And then I started to walk away and she said, would you take another picture of me? And I said, of course. And she said, I want to send this to my kids so they know I really did something. And I said, you're I said, you're the log lady. You don't got to prove nothing to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to take, so, you did take a picture with her too, right? You got, was that during the signing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then, you know, she signed my wrapped in plastic magazine nice. that she's on the cover of. And she was so nice to us in that moment in the, and I obviously didn't film that because it was a regular moment. That isn't mm. in the documentary, but mm. She was so kind and sweet, and I'm just so happy that she got to appear in the documentary. That's awesome. So good. Thanks, Scott. No, thank you. It was a it was a joy to be on. And on the phone, we have Russ, Niabi, and Vanessa. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hey, Russ and Niabi are a part of the band A Place Both Wonderful and Strange. And Vanessa is a DJ as a knife sex, and she's the front person for the band The Haro. Give me a little background about this uh, Keys Open Doors event. Basically, um, Keys Open Doors, The Hidden Life of Laura Palmer, is an audio-visual movement performance art piece um, that Niabi and I have composed that uh, exists to tell the 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 truth the the secrets and and the, the hidden aspects of the last few hours in the life of Laura Palmer. Yeah. Um. So we're really thrilled to announce to you guys, uh, to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, 
that um, we will be going upstate, upstate meaning upstate New York, um, in the winter months, in January or February, and recording a version of the soundtrack to Keys Open Doors, The Hidden Life of Laura Palmer. And that will be the next album that you guys will get from us. Um, hopefully without much time for turnaround. Um, we've got a couple of labels interested. I'm not going to name them so that we can hopefully get a bidding war going and pay our rent for the next several years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but um, hopefully the next time that you see us with a record out, it will be it will definitely be Keep Open Doors and Michael Cooper Palmer. Hopefully it will be on all of the ways that you want to buy it, including vinyl and cassette and CD and whatever you want, because um, people people want that. So we are finally going to go into a room and put this weird fucking soundtrack down. And so, Vanessa, what are your your plans? Okay, well, um, besides the Harrow album that's coming out on the uh, 6th, Ross and I sort of have some... uh, Steph's going to work together for a project between me and him, which is uh, still, like, very new, so I'm not, I'm not going to say too much about that. I'm also maybe going to be working on uh, some stuff with a place called Wonderful and Strange as well. Hmm. And yeah. then yeah. Well, yeah. definitely going to be working on it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> with us. <laughs> Hopefully. And then also, um, my friend Bobby, uh, he has a, a, a solo project called Public Memory, and I'm going to be playing in his live band. Um, probably coming in uh, 2016, so I'm excited about that too. I'm here now with Baby Rosemary. Uh, she is a DC-based burlesque artist, uh, producer, educator, and a 2013 graduate of the DC-owned burlesque uh, university. Hi, Baby Rosemary. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I was checking out your Facebook page, and you're talking about you know, uh, body positivity, like, you know, really positive body image. My wife, uh, you know, she studied um, body image, and I think that's wonderful that you have, that, you know, you present that, and you really talk about, you know, a positive message about women's bodies. That's awesome. It is. It's really important to me specifically because, you know, that's how I got into burlesque, um, to feel great about my own body. So mm. it's, you know, a mission in the community as well as a mission for myself. Uh, I thought the show was great. It was uh, short and sweet. I kind of wanted to see more because I just love Twin Peaks so much. I felt like I was just really getting into it. I felt like I was just sort of like opening up, like my mind was kind of like just getting there, right? And then it ended and I'm like, God, this could have gone on for like at least another hour or something. I was really just starting to get into that consciousness, you know? Yeah, and the music, the, the music was really um, trans-inducing, and um, obviously the way that they edited the film was too. So man, keep going, do it again and keep going. I mean, I thought the um, the multimedia thing was cool. There was supposed to be a dance party. I thought they could have morphed it into a dance party. Oh, dance party. Yeah. It was very weird. It's awkward, uncomfortable, sexual, loud, sweaty, and wonderful. So that was our best of 2015. Best of 2015. Man. It only gets better, I hope. <laughs> it will. It yeah. will. I feel like every show we've done, we've topped ourselves. Uh, Guest-wise and um, production-wise and the Definitely. show growing. Yeah. And right. And sometimes I think I think we get too ambitious. I still think about that UK. I don't know if we shared this before, but that UK show that we did, we, we actually did that UK show in one day. We did four hours of oh. in- interviews. Yeah, that, that was pretty ambitious. That was pretty ambitious. But it came us. out great. Yeah, we both got out of work early and <laughs> spent a long time. And, and then we had the UK is for where we live. It's it's a five hours difference too. So trying to yes, coordinate that was a pain. It was yeah. It was a little it was a little tricky to try and coordinate <laughs> with the time zones and trying to get people in the in stuff. But that was that. Was was probably our most ambitious show we did this and year. worth it though it was worth it and it showed us that we can do more we can do and we can our, our our jobs are very nice to let us out early at multiple times, <laughs> multiple times so, so we can record twin peaks podcast yes. oh man <laughs> so i can't wait i'm really excited about uh next year and uh what we do yeah i'm very excited too um so i think uh ben and myself have a we agree that the one of the coolest things we got a chance to do this year was interview kathleen 
Kathleen Coulson, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, to have first to have uh, um, um, an actor from the TV show is amazing, but then to have Kathleen yeah. Coulson, who you know she's been with David Lynch forever. I mean, she was in Eraserhead, and she's got she has so much knowledge, and so to be able to, ha- she was so generous to take time, yeah, and 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 be there with us, and. And I hate thinking this sometimes, but like she, this might have been the last interview she did for, or at least related to Twin Peaks. It, it was with been. us, I mean, possibly, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy and stuff. It still, it still uh, boggles the mind that she's gone and stuff. And, yeah, uh, I don't know, but I, mean, I but I think it would be it would be nice to just end the show uh, with a clip from that uh, the interview we did with her. Exactly. So with that, we uh, bid you uh, happy New Year. And Happy we, New Year! We'll be back next week uh, with episode. We're going back into season two, episode seventeen, and uh, we'll leave you with some uh, Catherine Coulson. So, all right, we're here with Catherine E. Coulson, uh, aka the Log Lady. Well, I've had a really fortunate career of varied, varied using various aspects of my personality. I was actually a camera operator as well, and that's how I I met David Lynch uh, doing Eraserhead because he cast me. In the, in the movie as the nurse, but we never shot the scene. But because um, I was married to Jack Nance, who was mm. playing Henry, yeah. he asked me if I would help out on the film, and it really became my film school. Um, now I had done uh, my master's in theater and then moved to L.A. and had this opportunity to work with this man who I thought was probably pretty special. So that was sort of the end of my film school. And then I became one of the first women in the camera union, but I kept acting. That's something. And uh, That's now funny. I've just been acting probably the last 20, 25 years. That's something. Yeah, you know, I, so I was doing research, and like when you attended the first uh, uh, Twin Peaks Festival in 1992, there was a question to answer part, and they asked you, would, would Twin Peaks ever come back to TV? And you said, you know, basically, uh, it, it, the chance of that happening was nil, that, that it probably was not going to ever happen. And it's funny just to be like that 25 years, years here we are, that there's this chance that no. it's coming back. I, mean, I remember David saying <clears throat> once I went to one of uh, this wonderful. Um, festival in London and a couple times at really well-run festival in London and I, I, I talked to David right before I left and I said what can I tell the fans and he said tell them there are still stories to tell you can hear us okay yeah I got you loud and clear cool cool awesome. well thank you for your time of course of course thanks for your interest I know uh, you guys are passionate about Twin Peaks so that's great we have a beautiful, beautiful book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book. You can get it at bluerosemag.com. Supplies are limited. Uh, get this bad boy while it's hot. Want to say we're under the 300 mark for these books. Yes. And then yes. once they're gone, they are gone. Our thinking would be that the book would be gone by the end of the year. I mean, I don't even know if it's going to last that long. But the idea was that, hey, this is the 30th anniversary. Like, wouldn't it be cool just to have a book that could be available to really diehard Twin Peaks fans? Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive.